Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. You are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Welcome to anything is potable, the Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, joined as always by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen. And we are joined by a very special guest. Oh, the best. The, the a former producer of this very program <laughs> and the host of the Brooklyn Glue Guys. We are bringing in one of the few Nets fans, although his reasons for being a Nets fan make no sense. But that is Mike Smeltz. Uh, Did you have to look up my name? Ad- it sounded like you just read my name. Um, <laughs> I thanks, wasn't, thanks, wasn't exactly Jim. sure. <laughs> I worked with you for a year. But yeah, you don't know my last name. I appreciate that, dude. Thanks. Mike's uh Mike's Schneider um is pointing <laughs> us to give the Nets perspective. I am Rob Schneider's little cousin. I am. <laughs> oh, no, we, no. we went from smelts to schlecht as as producers like. <laughs> no. It's so Just, funny too, man. I I recruited <laughs> Schlecht in a way and I was like, this is a bit odd. And we don't look exactly like, but we both look similar. Um and I'm like What's it's Spider Man meme, but for podcast producers, you know that's that's what's <laughs> happening. But thank you guys for having me. Yeah, I'm I'm the host of the Glue Guys, the most famous, most popular Brooklyn Nets podcast. So we've about we've about ten listeners, which is super cool. Um, but one of them is yeah. Mina Kimes, isn't it? Yeah, Mina's a listen. Yeah, Mina's great. Mina, <laughs> Mina, Mina's so funny. Mina went on. She may be in this room at some. Mina went on Haley O'Shaughnessy's show. And talked about uh, the glue guys, and I was like, "This is this life is too weird right now." But I'm, it's even weirder because now I'm here with you two guys on a Friday afternoon, preparing for an absolute debacle of a Nets um, Nets Celtics series. It's just been horrible on my end. How's it been for you guys? It's been well, great Jay's to cover objective. because they've given us so much to write about, like Kyrie flipping people off. Uh, a, the craziest ending to game one you could ever have uh, a, a really close physical game two with a fourth quarter comeback. So I, I'm just really happy. I'm not writing about like Celtics Raptors, like no yeah. offense to no offense to the Raptors, but that series would have been so much more boring. I guess that's very offensive to the Raptors, but it would have been compared to this, like just totally incomparable. So I'm so happy that this series happened and we got to see Tatum versus Durant and Kyrie versus the Boston crowd and Celt- the Celtics against their past demons. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. So let me ask you this, okay? Obviously, um, Nets fans are freaked. You know, game one happened and that was a huge screw up by the Nets to lose that game. 
percentage-wise, when they had the ball in Kevin Durant's hand up by one with, what was it, 40 seconds left or even less than that, percentage-wise, I'm sure it was like a 65% chance that they were going to win that game, if not more. Um, Then the next game was even more devastating because it seemed like the Nets had controlled it in the first half, besides maybe a couple little runs by the Celtics. And then it was just a a uh, masterclass in coaching v. coaching in Ime versus Nash. And also, of course, the guys on the floor. So Nets fans are pretty down in the dumps. Um, are you as low as the Nets fans are? Are you like, Jam, this is obviously to you. Are you super high? Are you like, oh my God, we're going to win the championship. We're the greatest team in the history of Celtics history. How do you feel? So I, I'm... I'm there, but I like I'm trying to to slow my roll at every chance. But I'm like, could we go four four four? Like, like it's like <laughs> I'm already looking forward to uh, Chris Moses, Middleton. Moses Malone. <laughs> well, it's like Chris Middleton's out. It's like, oh, that makes the uh, the next round series pretty easy. Like I'm very much thinking like what. I don't know how the Nets win four out of the next five. So about this series, I'm absolutely. Uh, Yes, elated through the moon because the part of the thing is I just don't think on the on the defensive end of the court I think the Celtics have been amazing and just their defense especially uh, on Kevin Durant has been fantastic. But on the offensive end, I don't think the Celtics have played two very good offensive basketball games. They have not executing. Uh, Jason Tatum really hasn't done anything. So I don't even think the Celtics are playing up to their potential. Um, but I just have faith in this like team's ability to grind out games and get wins and make the right play down the stretch, which is not something I had any confidence in uh, about this team. Even two years ago when they were in the Eastern Conference Finals, it was their choking down the stretch. That was the biggest concern here. It feels like they are just the better team in terms of execution. And it like they can just rely on the defense. Like I just don't I don't think they're going to hold Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to what was it? One for 17 in a second half again. But I also don't necessarily think that Bruce Brown. Uh, don't you don't no, no 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 don't you dare besmirch the name of Bruce Brown while I'm here, okay? Jam, <laughs> I'm going to besmirch. He, Bruce, he went on a nine zero run, and then after the game, like to start the game, and then after that, he really didn't do much. The really <laughs> man I want to besmirch is Goran Dragic. I hate that individual. Why I do you hate Goran? Do Goran's him. such a, a silver fox, an absolute sweetheart, and you want to, to besmirch one of the great stewards of our game, Goran Dragic? Well, I, first I of all, understand. let's he he gave up on the Toronto Raptors. He spat in the face gave of up. the entire nation of, of Canada. And he always plays well against the Celtics in the playoffs. And uh, he's a crafty son of a bitch. I, I hate him, he but I respect so crafty. him. I, I will say this. There there was an, a, a Celtics player who will go unnamed oh. in the past. This was years ago, who was not a Goran Dragic fan at all. Carson and, Edwards. And... and, and <laughs> Call, called him a, I believe it was the term was a huge bitch. Um, <laughs> I don't now, think now I'm going on basketball reference. <laughs> this, and this, I'm looking this through is not, the, this is not a current player. This was a former player, <laughs> but it, it was, was Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens it, was it saying was that pretty funny. <laughs> is it Kyrie? But, uh, <laughs> that would is be it hilarious. That? If it was Kyrie. It, it, it was, it is not one of his current teammates. Okay. Um, I will not share who it was. I will not even give any hints to who it was. 
Boy, I have a totally different opinion to Dragic. That dude is a gamer, man. Like, yes. he was bad for the Nets over the last couple months of the season. Obviously, he didn't play in a while, like, shaking off the rust, getting back in shape, all that. But that dude, every time he gets in the playoffs, that dude seems to make a real difference. He killed the Celtics. That's why I hate him. That's why I don't <laughs> like him, because he does that. He makes a difference. He, he's, he's the one guy, like... You know, the, the the Nets role players have actually played, like, okay. Like, we talk about Bruce Brown. Seth Curry has not played well. Drummond has not played well. Claxton had played well in game one and then wasn't good in game two. Goron had two good, solid games. When he's on the floor, it's funny. You, you know, the this Nets team is so much like a lot of other star-driven teams where if the stars are on the floor, you know, their offensive ratings historic, they're crushing opponents typically, right? But for some reason in the Celtics series, it's the bench guys. I mean, Goron's been, you know, he has like a plus 17 in game one. I think he was the only guy or one of the few guys on the team that had a plus, you know, plus minus. Not that plus minus is the end all be all, but like, the the Nets bench is the saving grace for this team, and then yep. when it goes starters v starters, it's um it's scary. It's frankly, it's like the the Celtics are so good on defense, um and but I'm you know obviously Peyton Pritchard play well, but I'm not really f- afraid of anyone on the bench um, for the Celtics and for the Nets. Like we have Goron hitting goofy mid rangers, you know, driving to the hoop. So Goron the God. Uh, I, I, that's been one of the weirdest parts of this series to me, is that. The Nets have done really well with Kevin Durant on the bench. Like, like they are consistently either winning or being totally even in those minutes. And I think he's only had four small stints on the bench. It's not like he's over there for a long time. But I thought the Celtics would really dominate those minutes. I thought sort of that they really needed to dominate those minutes. And the fact that it hasn't gone that way is just weird. Um and I have no explanation for it other than that the Celtics like the, Are their, cheating. Whole, no. their whole goal is to just like muck things up for Kevin Durant. And when he's not out there, they're like, what, what do we do now? Like we we don't need to go body bump Goron Dragic like 94 feet every possession. Jay, how yeah. how would you assess it? So as a great basketball mind that you are that is, um, and, I and someone that. who – it's who doesn't watch every game for the Nets? And you're seeing the Nets in you know these past two games, high pressure situations. What would you describe the Nets' offensive game plan going into games? <laughs> so he, he, what game here, plan? here's the thing. Here's the thing. I get why Steve Nash takes heat for that um, because, I, like, if you look at the shot profile of Game Two, as I'm sure you have, Smelts, like they took basically the worst possible shots. The entire game. Uh, the the fact that they have Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Seth Curry, Patty Mills, and shot, what was it, 21 three-pointers during that game is bizarre. Uh, so I, I get why people are on Steve Nash about that. The other part of it, though, is like Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant have always been guys who sort of want to isolate and want to do their own thing and Kevin Durant he got out of that when he was in Golden State but if you look at the track record and even in Golden State toward the end he was kind of leaning back into that um so I I think that's part of it and then the other part of it is it's really hard to run offense when you've got like Bruce Brown and Nick Claxton Andre Drummond 
on the court against a great defense. Like there's always one or two guys and sometimes more that the Celtics just feel like they can completely ignore. And and so it's and then the Celtics are switching everything like offense doesn't really work when when teams switch out like when you when you switch everything you can just take teams out of offense and that's what this part of what why the Celtics have done a great job all year is that teams get out of themselves and and they take away the ball movement they turn teams stagnant so I get the Steve Nash complaints but I also think that he doesn't really have many options whereas because the Celtics have tons of size because their role players like 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 three through whatever are just way more complete players than than whoever the Nets throw out there. I just think Ime Udoka has lot a lot more good options than Steve Nash does. Yeah, but so so the problem is Seth Curry should be a, a nice yeah. third option, right? And he's he's hurt. He's a hurt ankle, and it's pretty obvious that like he's not full strength Seth Curry because full strength Seth Curry is like. Uh, obviously, he's kind of running around he's the a perimeter bad a bit. Yeah, he's shooting threes, and then he's also the nice thing that I learned about Seth Curry by him being on the Nets was that he can get into get pa- into the three point line, pass the three point line, and shoot a nice mid range jumper by you know and getting wide open that way or making a nice pass. He's not just this guy who waits for the ball to come to him, but he's not healthy. The only thing is, is like I don't know. I, I, how how sure of a thing do you think this series is? Before we get, we should talk Rob Williams. Packard, it feels like, you know, I don't want to host the show, you know, but we should talk <laughs> Rob Williams. But how how confident, Jay being unbiased, Packard being extremely biased, how confident are you that this series wraps up in the Celtics' favor? It could go seven games still, but how do you guys both feel? extremely confident. I think there's just no way the Nets win four of the next five. It like it becomes a a series if the Nets can handle both of these games at home and then it's a three game series and you know it still comes down to the the Kevin Durant factor. But I think I just don't know what the recipe is for the Nets. Like I think you can do some things on offense where you surround uh, their two stars with like pure shooters, but then you're just exposing yourself on Defense, and I think if you put in more defensive guys like uh, Bruce Brown, Claxton, or even um, Kessler Edwards, there's just there's like not a real answer for the Nets. And so, for them to win, they're going to need four great performances in the same game from KD and Kyrie. And right now, they're there. It feels like the Nets' recipe for winning is KD and Kyrie are going to both shoot over the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics are going to pack the paint and basically give up mid-range shots, and, and threes. I'm looking at the game two box. I mean, between KD and Kyrie, they only attempted three threes in that game, which just feels like wildly too low. Like if, Even if you're isolating, it feels like they just need to be jacking from three just to kind of uh, get the scoring up there. I just don't know what the, the solution is for the Nets. Like, But Steve Nash has got to do something more. Like they, they, they run picks. They certainly get switches. But why have they never done like a pin down screen for KD to get him an open look? Why maybe what about they KD have. They sets have. a pick? Oh, they they've run for one Kyrie Irving. What? A KD Kyrie pick and roll like that. They, they run a better offense in, while Ben Ben Simmons's offense while he's rehabbing is a better offense than what the Nets run actually in the playoffs. Have games. you seen I mean, the video of him 
like dominating, <laughs> just throw, dominating. throwing passes to Patty Mills. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, I know you guys haven't been tracking this the way I have, but for the Nets fans in this audience, um, this Ben Simmons saga has just been—it's so Netsian and so damn ridiculous that they trade for <laughs> they trade away James Harden, which like I'm most of the fan base was fine with that thinking that Ben Simmons was going to play basketball, you know, maybe in three weeks when they, after they traded him. Yeah. Um, we've liked Drummond and we really like Curry when he was healthy, but we're waiting for this Ben Simmons thing. And it, the Steve Nash has had to go out there and just lie to the media continually about when Ben Simmons <laughs> is coming back. Well, you know, he had a of lot ours, of good experience doing that when he said we're not going to trade James Harden. He's like a, a pretty expert liar right now, but doesn't can't call a play, but a man can lie to the media. Yeah, I mean, Steve Nash, the public image of Steve Nash before he was a coach was like he was just like this perfect, you know, offensive genius who ran probably one of the greatest offensive engines in NBA history. And since he got to Brooklyn, it's been an absolute disaster for him. The team has been a, a mess. There's been injuries and anti-vax stances, and he's just become a liar. He's just, he's just been, <laughs> you know, he's just learned. Like he, I think he thought that he could just come in and coach this team of superstars and win like multiple championships. And what's happened is he's just had to become basically a, a really bad PR person where all he does is lie. Um, which, which is fine. You know, that he, he would admit himself that he is lying. But so anyways, Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons spoke to the media today, um, for the first time since I think his press conference, when he was traded to the team, um, and essentially he says uh, he, it's been quoted multiple different ways, but he's basically said, I'm not playing in game three, but game four is very possible, which of course lines up with what, you know, our buddy Sham Sharania um, has reported himself many, many times. Um, the question for Nets fans is that uh, the Nets had put out this line that Ben Simmons needed three scrimmages before he could play in an NBA game. And that he scrimmaged on Monday, Wednesday, and now Friday. But yet, he's not going to play tomorrow for reasons that aren't clear to anyone. Um, but he'll be I'll ready ask, two days after. Yeah, he'll be ready two days after when the Nets are down. Has he started out. sprinting yet? Is he, is he a sprinting guy? Has he, Has done he gone from running um, to sprinting? Great, great question, Jam, because I'm looking at a video of him right now. He has a sweat on him. Now, he could have got that sweat from a sauna. I can't confirm or deny, but <laughs> it's it's very possible that he uh, ran today. He he His knees passed a certain point where it turned into running instead of jogging. Um, let me so ask you Do you expect guys. him to be able to contribute anything if he does play in this series? Oh. <laughs> and I know that's a stupid a, question because the, no, the real no, answer it, is no. that you nobody knows what to expect. Yeah, it's so insane. So I, I kind of said this before. Did you guys see the latest Spider-Man movie? The, I don't, the, I this, know, is this is at least so your lame. second Spider-Man reference of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. So basically, if if we all got Men in Black zapped, where our memory was erased, and none of us remember what happened in that Atlanta Hawks playoff series, right? I, I <laughs> yep. think we'd all be so much more excited for the chance that Ben Simmons is going to come back and play, right? But That's a good point. The last memory of him, because like the the guy before that is this, you know, superhuman ball handling defense, um, fast break, break creating, rebounding monster who can switch onto anyone in the NBA. What he is now is a complete mystery box, which 
And in the the reporting is that he's going to play 10 to 15 minutes when he does come back. So like how much of an impact can 10 to 15 minutes be? I actually think, you know, in the playoffs, if you're playing in sort of the bench minutes, that could be significant. But because of the Hawks series, like he could get in the game and the Celtics could just foul him. Right. Like, why would they not just foul him immediately and consistently um, and make him go well, to the, the referees line? Are going to call it no matter what, because each team's going to be in the bonus nine minutes uh, left in the first quarter or every quarter. I hate that. I hate that so much. I mean, I know there's so many fouls is tight and like the Celtics, you know, they're a very good defensive team, so they'll foul more. But like this, this free throw contest is so boring. Do you guys expect what do you, if Ben Simmons steps on the floor in game four, let's just, it doesn't matter what happens in game three. Does he make any difference in sort of what you think the outcome is going to be? I think, so my thing is that he changes the matchups for them and like totally changes the matchups and he changes how much size they have. He changes their defense. I think will be dramatically different with him on the court if he's right. He's not the easiest guy to fit into a playoff series. And I I think the playoff history isn't just that Atlanta series either. As bad as that was, like, I forget. It was a long time ago. He was young in his career. I have, he, I have a screenshot of uh, printed on a T-shirt of Al Horford playing uh, Ben Simmons' 25 feet off and it's calling Ben Simmons a coward like his play you, you can't just zap uh the last image of Ben Simmons you have to have his entire playoff history for me to be scared of his impact on the series the other thing is like he's going to make an impact on the defensive end right like that's the whole idea he's going to slow down Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown I don't think that's been the Nets issue at all their issue has been I think consistently scoring the basketball and I guess are you are you going to play him in crunch time uh, where he's kind of a, a net negative on offense just so, I don't know, Jalen Brown can't run over uh, Seth Curry or Kyrie Irving. Who had, uh, like just, like that's been where the Celtics have been able to take advantage of is the lack of size on Brooklyn, especially in the fourth quarter. Is Ben Simmons, are you ready to put Ben Simmons in the fourth quarter of a game? Like I don't know if a, a six-minute stint at the start of the second and in the third is really going to make an impact here. Uh, yeah, I mean, see, if, if he's right, he makes a huge impact. Like, he changes their defense. Bruce Brown is a good defender. He's like 6'4", 6'3", Bruce whatever. Brown can hit a three, though. Bruce Brown cannot like, guard everything Tatum. he give, but, at but all. Bruce, like, Simmons has a lot more to his game than Bruce Brown does. And, and so th- that's my – like, if Simmons is right, he definitely helps. I just think it's going to – it's a tough ask – for a guy who's been out for close to a year and has been dealing with back issues and probably only recently started sprinting, not running, to get dropped into this. This playoff series is a high-level playoff series with, like, like this is no normal first-round series. It's not like you're dropping him in and having him guard Precious Achua, you know? like wow, just you're, Precious Achua slander on a you're, Friday. You're, Jeez. Ken Birch, whoever you want to throw out Ken Birch slander. Come on. Like, he, he would be thrown right into the mix of a really tough series, and not, not in a hostile environment in game four, but if they go to Boston for game five, it's going to be a really hostile environment. And I, I just can't see him 
making like a ton of difference. And then the other thing, how much can he realistically play? You come back from a layoff that long, you're absolutely going to have a minutes restriction too. Yeah, but he's been scrimmaging, man. He's ready to roll. He's been he's oh, been scrimmaging, <laughs> and he's been he's been putting up. By the way, secret weapon. This is the classic. So, like everything I made fun of Sixers fans about with their Ben Simmons obsession of like the off-season videos of Ben hitting jumpers and them all saying, "Oh my God, is he going to come back with a jumper?" Right? Like that's there's. I don't know if you guys know this. You know who's an assistant coach for the Nets who's been working with Ben Simmons a lot. One of the greatest shooters of all time, Kyle Korver. Kyle Korver is the Nets assistant coach. And in all these videos, Kyle Korver is right next to Ben Simmons. And uh, Nets fans are just hoping that there's some magic that Korver could sprinkle onto Ben Simmons. And he become, <laughs> it would just be hilarious to me. It would be actually also very Netsy. And if for some reason Ben Simmons comes back and like takes five threes in that first game, <laughs> you know, and just launches them, even if he misses all of them, it would be the most exciting moment of the season. How exciting would that be? People would lose their and minds. And then he comes to his post game press conference and just said says how proud Brett Brown would be of him. <laughs> <laughs> um, that would be awesome. But the, honestly, though, like the other part where he would really impact it is transition offense. Like, yes, he he is incredible at pushing the pace. Incredible at finding open shooters. We talked about how few three pointers the Nets got in in game two. That. He changes that. Like he, he's going to find Seth Curry. He's going to find Kevin Durant. He's going to find Kyrie Irving, and maybe give them easier jumpers. Maybe give them a chance to get going, so that when they're, you know, dealing with all the physicality in the half court, that all of a sudden those looks feel a little easier. So yeah, that, that, mean, the, that's where he would make the biggest difference to me. Um, just that transition piece. Yeah, I mean, one of the problems with. So Harden leaving the team, Harden was the easy buckets guy, right? Like, or the analytically driven buckets guy, shooting threes, getting to the basket, getting to the free throw line. Even if he's diminished, that's what he was. Kyrie and Katie have never been that. You know, they are, they of course are great three point shooters, but they're really mid range operators. And I almost think Kyrie has a distaste for getting fouled. Like, he does everything he can to not get fouled and to kind of slither around opposing defenders to that the fans know that well he is the best yeah he is the best at it that man he's amazing i mean that's how he was created right like he's not that big of a guy he's the one of the greatest ball handlers in nba history and his entire you know like his entire sort of modus operandi of a basketball player is to find those openings to dribble as much and, and do the most insane moves so that he can put up an open layup but it's not to get fouled. It's not looking for contact ever. And and so what that drives is what we talked about before. We're like the Nets are putting up shots that are traditionally the toughest. It's those mid-range jumpers. It's none of it's looking for fouls. Like Kevin Durant got obviously took 20 free throw attempts in game two. A lot of that was like he was getting fouled before he even really took any action. Right? There was like the bonus fouls and stuff like that. Um Ben, the good thing about Ben Simmons, like you talked about, is like they don't have a guy who's a great rebounder who then can push the ball in transition. And the Celtics are a way better rebounding team. And so you the don't Nets think have Drummond could lead the fast break? He wants to. Stan, every Van, time. Cold, Stan Van Gundy <laughs> said he was an underrated dribbler. He actually yeah. is. But, but he, you don't he want is him a good. Dri- yeah, he's, he is underrated, but that doesn't mean that he's good, right? Be, just being underrated doesn't mean that you are good. Um, but like, because, the, the, because the Celtics killed the Nets on the boards in game one in game two, the Nets 
were much more dedicated trying to get the rebound. But when you send guys to try to get the, the rebound, you're not sending them out on transition. So like, it's this whole push and pull thing of like, you know, what do you focus on more? Do you hope that Drummond's going to get the rebound so you can push it out to KD or Kyrie and then they start transition? Or do you have to send KD to, you know, the defensive board to actually get a rebound? Um, ben is like the one guy on the team, if he plays basketball, uh, that can catch the <laughs> ball, get the rebound, and then go. Um, so the idea of Ben Simmons is exciting for Nets fans. Um <laughs> It's going to be so ridiculous, though, if he steps on the floor and does whatever he does. Like, it will be the most interesting thing to happen on NBA floor in God knows who, how long. I've got to ask you what you thought about Kyrie's comments after game two. Oh, yeah. When, when he kind of just skipped the game two talk and kind of went to, like, the post-series yeah. discussion where, where he's like, yeah. that team has a lot of verve. I'm not sure the Nets have a lot of verve. <laughs> um, what else did he like? You got to give Brad Stevens credit. Yeah, you got to give Brad Stevens like, credit, the, which was like so crazy. What, what do you say? Something about like continuity and how the Nets haven't had much, and how he doesn't mean to point that out well, as an excuse or whatever he said. And he and, linked back to his famous quote that got the Celtics players mad at him when he played for the Celtics. Remember when he like <laughs> like trashed the young guys. Oh, that was every game. Basically, I talked to LeBron, and I remember how I was dumb as a young guy, and now I'm like (laughs) playing with young guys. Essentially, is what he said. And then he says these young guys have finally grown up, as if like, you know, his vision of them, of Jason and (laughs) Jalen, has like come to fruition. Um, Yeah, I didn't feel great about that. You know, I didn't feel great about that. I didn't feel great about Kevin Durant's body language after Game Two, where he was slumped and sort of. I mean, I think the Nets. This has to be a shocking thing. I mean, Kevin Durant's jumper was blocked by Jason Tatum. Like, no one in the NBA. Huh? Twice. Twice. No one does that. Like, you, the thing you can rely upon with Kevin Durant is, like, even if it doesn't go in, he's going to get it off, right? He's going to get to a spot, and he's going to be able to take take the jumper that he wants. This has to be such a mind F for these guys that they... You, You Just say it. Say it. Say it. Mind friendly. It's such a mind friendly. <laughs> um, no, but but they are still. Here's the Nets point. They are still Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. Like, regardless of maybe what we think of um, Kyrie's sort of mentality, sometimes I love Game One, Kyrie. I love the middle fingers, man. Like, I I don't agree that these guys have to be like choir boys when people are yelling obscenities at them. And oh, no, I was I was cool with all that stuff. That was fun. Yeah, you kind of need – you need the edge. And, and you know, I, I don't want passive Kyrie, contemplative Kyrie. I do want the guy who, you know, fell in love with Kobe and wants to be that killer that a lot of guys want to be. And Kevin Durant is obviously one of the all-time, like, killers. But he hasn't been in this series. So – if I'm going to be like, here's what I think the Nets could do in game three and four to win, it's like, hey, can Kevin Durant just be Kevin Durant and can Kyrie be Kyrie? Like, if they can be themselves, then Seth Curry maybe has better looks. Maybe Drummond is more open from in the paint. You know, it's going to have a, a trickle-down effect, like Reaganomics, um, that, uh, which I'm kidding. It, 
not real. But <laughs> not to get political. Famous, famously I know Packard's work. like, Mike, Mike. <laughs> Just a little um, Reaganomic reference. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> if the best two players on your team play better, everyone else should play better. But that's what's interesting about the Celtics is that Jalen and Jason didn't play that great in game two. But Tice, Grant Williams, oh my God, Grant Williams, um, Al Horford hitting threes, like that, you had all of that mixing in for you guys. Like, should I anticipate as a Nets follower that Grant Williams is going to go um, perfect from the field again? Is that going to happen every game? He does that sometimes. <laughs> he uh, he became a knockdown shooter this year, which was very, very surprising to most people who have followed him. Um, so I don't, I don't think you should expect him to be perfect, but he will knock down shots, especially when teams just leave Tatum and Brown wide open. Uh, the interesting part of this series to me is that Durant has been so bad. Like I, I've never seen him out of sorts. Maybe like early, early in the Thunder days, but nobody impacts him the way the Celtics have, and. I think the job they've done on him has been next level. Like just you watch the tape and they're like, (laughs) they are even his cuts. It's like, damn, that that looks tiring. Like not even once he gets the ball and making his move. It's like just getting the ball itself just looks tiring. And so they've, they've done incredible on him, but at the same time, the nets, they, they could be up to nothing. Like they are, yeah. One one what nine second sequence, and and one tough fourth quarter away from being up two nothing. In both ga- the games have been in Boston, so I think I think whether they have a chance in this series, the Nets comes down to can they still dial up the fa- the the a mentality because I think this season must have been really tough on those guys. Like, they came into the season with Durant, with Harden, with Irving, title favorites. And then Harden gets disgruntled. Kyrie takes an anti-vaccine stance. Harden gets traded. The guy who comes in hasn't hasn't played yet. Like, Like, it has just been a really tough year. And I think if the Celtics, like, hit them hard in game three... I do wonder if at some point Kyrie and maybe Durant will just go like, you know what? Let's 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 do this again next year when we don't have like Bruce Brown as our third best player. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the the Nets know they're not winning the title this year. Like I think they at best I think they could win one series against one of the better teams of the Eastern Conference and with Kyrie's comments after post game like kind of building in excuses about why the Nets are not performing. They don't have continuity. Uh, they haven't like done a bunch of things. They don't trust. I don't know. I'm just making up uh, Kyrie quotes at this point. But uh, we've seen Kyrie just like kind of fade in a playoff series when he knows that he has nothing left to play for. I wouldn't be shocked if the if the Nets, like they give it a good effort in, in but game we, three. We, but if we also saw way, Kyrie, in his defense, we also saw Kyrie down 3-1, score like 40 points a game the rest of the series and hit the one of the clutchest shots in NBA history. So that's not his only like 
that's down. when it's that's when it's the NBA Finals, and he knows he has a chance of winning a championship. Now he's agreed, but, but I'm, I'm just saying I, I think we have we should point out like that Milwaukee series isn't by itself. You know, like there there has have been times when Kyrie was was up against it and and fought through it. So fair enough, fair enough. We haven't we've gone this entire time and haven't talked about the late breaking news yep. that the Time Lord might be back. He has traveled with the team. Reports from Shams today that he's day to day and could go as early as Saturday. I would be surprised if he was back that early. Um, but is ready to play seemingly is on the timeline. All the reports came out um, that he's went from three on three to four on four. Maybe he'll start doing five on five, but I'm guess I'm curious what the, what impact he could have where it feels like, at least my opinion, I think he would do a lot for the Celtics offense. If, if he is the same, I think just having that, that lob threat there, I think the Nets did a good job, especially in the start of game two, of really protecting the rim and the Celtics were just kind of going hard to the rim with a bit of a, a reckless abandon. And I think they did a better job in the second half of just kind of attacking the paint and then looking to pass. But in the first half, they were just like looking to attack the rim. And that's been like the safety valve all year. It's just like, okay, the big commits and we can just throw the lob to Rob Williams. I think his return would have a huge impact on the Celtics whose offense has not been great in the first two games. Jay, I'll let you yeah. take this one. Yeah, I mean, the offense is where I think he'll he would probably make his biggest impact. Defensively, like Tice gives you a similar like outline of the player that Robert Williams is, without like the bursts of athleticism and without like there have been moments when he's given Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving too much room on a screen. And even if Robert Williams did that, it'd be like he'd still be able to contest better because he touches clouds when he jumps. Because the um, guy loves jumping. Best jumper I've ever seen. Yeah. Now, now, how? what is he going to look like? How many minutes is he going to play? I don't know. Um, but, like, the the vertical spacing that, that he gives them where he's able to just catch lobs against good defense, too. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be bad defense. It doesn't have to be a breakdown. Celtics can just throw it up and and get Robert Williams involved. Like that that that's going to be really helpful for them because I think Andre Drummond like he hasn't had a great series, but he had a couple moments in Game Two where like his his hands were like his help on Tatum and he had good hands and like mucked things up a little bit. Um, and then the other part of it is like. The Nets have so little size <laughs> like, that they need Claxton, they need Durant, two of the only guys that they have with size, to guard Tatum or to guard Brown. And if they are doing that, like you can't do that against Robert Williams. Like You can't have one of your guys with size out on – or it's going to be a lot harder to have one of your guys with size out on those guys because if you have one of the smalls on Robert Williams – he will get every offensive rebound. He will just rise up and dunk it. Like that's a problem. Uh, so, but who who knows what he'll give them realistically? Uh, but but that that would be like his, his bit. He's just the guy's a freak athlete. He gives their offense just a another another level. And uh, 
But at the same time, like the Celtics in game two, their best stretch was when they went small, put all shooters out there, and just had Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Peyton Pritchard basically play three on three against bad defenders. Like that, that was what they did, and it worked. And they they scored on five straight possessions and just totally tortured the Nets that way. So I think they have offensive answers anyway, and I think Ime Odoka found something with with that look that will be tough for the Nets to stop just because they're just so small. Like They have so many guys you can attack where the Celtics just don't. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Yeah, like, this is weird to say, of course. And this is such recency bias that I am calling my own self out before I even say this. But, like, Tice has been really effective to me. <laughs> and for the Nets, it's almost like getting Tice off the floor is not exactly the worst thing for the Nets. But of course, Rob Williams, Rob Williams is such a better player. Like overall, there's no doubt about that. I know what I'm saying is dumb. It just gives the Celtics that rotation of bigs, those three guys where when they go to the bench units, which we've talked about before on this live stream as being the most effective moments and minutes of the game for the Nets, it just gives them a chance to have like a really good big on the floor, no matter what, and maybe even two of them. And then you go, you know, you, then you have Grant Williams and Peyton Pritchard and, and white. So it's, it's, it's one of those things where like, I think I could ask this question and it's like a very obvious one to ask who impacts the series more Rob Williams or Ben Simmons. It's, it has to be Rob Williams just simply because He's actually played with the team before and Ben Simmons has never played with the Brooklyn Nets and hasn't played since June or whatever it was, you know? So like, you know, they, you know both teams are going to get reinforcements quote unquote, but like really who who's benefiting? It's like the Nets, they have no clue what they're going to get. They, they have just, they, even if in workouts where Ben Simmons is walking through the offense, um, you know, did you know, guys, that they, they couldn't even run five on five because they didn't have enough players to run five on five for Ben Simmons, so they've been doing four on four scrimmages? You um, can't just find a couple guys who are willing to Kyle play Corver didn't ben step in. <laughs> Kyle Corver, he doesn't do it, man. He retired. He's like he's like John Wick. He can't just he can't just put on the John Wick suit again and start attacking people, right? There has to be a they have no moment. one in their organization who can step in for a scrimmage. That's what they told us. They told us that he's been doing four and four because they didn't have enough guys to do five on five. At least this was on Monday or something, like right after. I don't know. And I was Sean like, Sean Marks. Well, Sean Marks has to take off the suit and get out there, man. Come on, man. They played eleven guys Nash. in game two. What are we talking they have about? Steve Nash. Well, like I don't think Katie and Kyrie are doing scrimmages. Do you know what I mean? Like a lot of the. Well, the do they actual... do they really care about the team then if they're not willing to scrimmage <laughs> with Ben Simmons? 
Does Ben Simmons care about this team? Does Steve Nash care? Does anyone care about this team? We have to see. Like, that's the thing. So, Jay, you were alluding to this. The Nets are down 2-0, but they are still Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and, you know, this series could change. Like, that first quarter of Game 3 is going to be crucial because if it's, like, if Nets coming out firing, Seth Curry hitting threes, Bruce Brown hitting his floater, and Katie and Kyrie are getting theirs, then like, okay, then we can buckle in and see if the series is really something. If the Celtics win, obviously game three, then this is over. You know, it's not, I mean, there's no question. There's not like, if that's not a hot take, it's like, yeah, that's just historically that that's how it goes. (laughs) But I will say this, talk about history, the bucks in their final, their championship run, it's a different team, different situation. And there's reasons for this. The Bucks were down 2-0 to the Nets, and the Bucks were down 2-0 to the Suns. And, you know, you know, teams win up good. They do win coming down from 2-0. The, the Bucks beating the Nets was really just because the Nets had a massive amount of injuries, and Giannis stuck his foot under Kyrie. Uh, not a dirty play, apparently, because, you know, whatever. But um, I'm not bringing that oh, up. Still salty about it. Still a salty. A little salty. A little, a little Himalayan pink salt over here. I'm a little upset, but um, can I tell you quickly, it, by the way, I was looking for Kevin Durant's worst playoff game on basketball reference. There was a game in 2016. They they were playing the Thunder playing the Mavericks. And um, so this would have been going into the summer that eventually KD leaves, right? Because he leaves in 2016. Um, he shot seven for 33, two for 11 from three. Russell Westbrook shot eight for 22, and they had Andre Roberson on the floor as a starter. <laughs> and yet they still only lost by a point to the Mavericks. They would beat the Mavericks in a five, you know, in five games. But that, that is That was not that, the best Mavericks squad ever. No. That, no. Here's who that here's was playing for West, the Mavericks. West Matthews. Dirk yeah. was still playing, but he was like not even close to himself. He was still good at that point, but 37, not even close to himself. Like could barely move. Although apparently he did a pretty good job defensively and helped defense against Durant Westbrook based on their numbers. They were Ray like, Felton had eleven rebounds. Chandler Parsons for- was their third leading scorer. Darren Williams was on that team. What a weird, weird West Matthews. Just a bizarre Mavericks team. Listen, listen to the guys who did not play. JaVale McGee. This is for the Mavericks. JaVale McGee, David Lee, JJ Barea, and Charlie Villanueva. I mean, that is like an all like the funny thing is McGee's not playing. I, I would guess he was hurt, but maybe that was still pre the McGee Assance that we're living in <laughs> right now. So like what a and then White Powell was just a puppy. Justin Anderson was getting 14 minutes in a crucial playoff game. Devin Harris and Salah Majri. Remember Salah? Um, oh, I sure I do. He, he he was he was fantastic. 12 points three blocks. He was all over the place for the match. <laughs> Come on, Salah never had 12 points in a playoff game. I don't believe it. 12 points. Salah. Salah was everywhere. He was such, just, uh, just crucial. The big Tunisian was everywhere in that game. Uh, just a little history lesson from Mike Smeltz. Is there anything else? I got to go soon. I know if you guys want to keep it going, but I got to go soon. Is there anything else we want to hit before we say thank you to everyone and should we do predictions or I don't know. We don't have to do predictions. They're just, I'm terrified, but what do you guys want to do? Let's, let's go with some predictions. Let, let's go with some game three score. Packard, what okay. you got? Celtics one, 
19. <laughs> I thought you were going with Nets, one. Sorry. Nets, 112. KD scores 42 points, but Jason Tatum scores 32 and has 10 assists <laughs> and 8 rebounds and outduels him late. I think it's going to be the first game where he actually sees some good offense and like the Celtics are going to have to deal with you know like the best player in the world hitting shots, but I think they'll they'll have an answer. Mike, your prediction. All right, so I'm going on BetMGM right now. BetMGM, uh, proud sponsor of the Athletic. Get all your betting needs at BetMGM.com. Do you know who's a favorite? Who's the favorite for the game? That was a veteran plug right there. Uh, Thanks, bud. I would guess the Nets are the favorite. Yeah. Three and a half. Two and a half point point favorite. favorite? Three and a half. Three and a half. Yeah. Um, But, you know, that's minuscule. But three and a half point favorite. The over under is 222 and a half. Um, So are you just going to go with the Vegas Vegas line as your prediction? Um, Yeah. So I'll go. Wait. Now I have to do math. (laughs) So the Nets will score 115 points. Now I've already screwed up the math. I think it's like 113. And. the Celtics will score 110. Um, I, so I'm predicting a big Drummond game, oddly enough. Ooh, the, big, like, the big Drummond game. Yikes. The big, <laughs> this is going to be the game everyone's talking about, the, the Drummond game. Now, like, ultimately the way the Nets are – if they're going to win game three, which I'll, I will predict they will because if you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, like, they have to have a little bit more pride even if they're an undermanned squad and they're not a perfect team. You, you know, so who's going to step up? Seth Curry, I just do think, is kind of compromised. He played fine in game two, but I, you know, I think he's a little bit compromised. Drummond has been very good for this team. And if KD and Kyrie are right, that's going to mean that Drummond's going to have more space around the bucket because the Celtics are going to have to press up. They're going to have to really guard the three point line, all the stuff that you kind of have to do if the guys are actually hitting shots. So Drummond will have a 20 and 10. A monster game, 2010. Katie Kyrie will look right, and Goron is going to just hit every floater, and <sighs> Packard's going to be like uh, Tanya Harding, just like waiting for him outside Barclays, just furious and angry. So Nets win, <laughs> and then they win the series. So that's my prediction. No, no, but Nets win game three. That's the prediction. I've got sure. Nets 108. Celtics 103. Wow. Oh, the objective Jay King. It, it, no bias in, in these takes. Kevin Durant is, I, I said it after game one, that he's not going to shoot nine for 23 every night. Then he shot four for 17. <laughs> but <laughs> but the, he, the Celtics are not going to stop him throughout the whole series. I, I refuse to believe as good as their defense is, as locked in on him as they've been, as physical as they can be. I just don't believe that any team, any f- collection of men on this earth can hold Kevin Durant to efficient games throughout a series. I think he's ready to go berserk. Um, and I just think that will be enough for the Nets in game three. All right. So series over. Nets win it. Great prediction, Jay. I appreciate it. Uh, let's, th- will this Mike, was will you come back on after game four uh, and 
no matter what. Can we can we get a pledge from you? No matter what happens, in the, will you come back on on Tuesday of next week after the sweep? Um, yeah, potentially. I'll, I'll be in the audience. I'll pop in the audience, and you can bring me up on we'll stage. We'll just force and yell you to be on stage. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah. This was this was super fun. Thank you, everyone who listened. This was a great a great room. Um, sorry we didn't bring people on, but it was super fun to have everyone here live and listening. We we got we got to bring Josh on. Josh Josh has been waiting. Josh is going to lose his shit if he doesn't get get to talk. Josh Josh Josh. Hello guys, me. I have a question for you that for whatever reason you guys sort of danced around, and I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you'll be really quick with it too. I will be. I'll be very quick. One question. One sentence. Can you think of anything more destructive to a person with mental issues than coming in in game four, playing 10 to 15 minutes and not making a difference and getting swept by the Celtics in the playoffs? Josh. Josh, Josh, I love it. Coming in. He either has mental problems or he doesn't. It's one or the other. If he doesn't and he fails in the playoffs for a second year in a row and gets swept. Failure is a spectrum, Josh. Joshua, failure is a spectrum and success is a spectrum. And, you know, (laughs) what is what defines a success for Ben? I think getting out there on the floor is success. I'll 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 let you in on my life. Okay, I uh, I took my one and a half year old son for a swimming class today. He hates the water, screams his head off. Okay. And it's a 30 minute class, but by the 15 minute mark, when I let him know you are not getting out of the water, I'm really tough with my kids. He eventually calmed down and he was happy. Ben Simmons is a one and a half year old in a swimming class. Just get him out in the water. He may cry. He may yell. He may be upset, but you got, he's got to break the seal and you might as well break the seal in the most pressure-packed environment possible against one of the most uh, scary defensive teams in the NBA, against a coach who will have no problem fouling the hell out of Ben Simmons. This is the perfect moment. Rip that Band-Aid off, baby. He's going to be you know? launching threes in game four. Oh, man. Dude. Oh, my God. If he if he hits – oh, my God. If his first shot's a three and it, go, and like it swishes in – it's gonna. Everyone's gonna go ballistic. It's gonna be amazing. I, I it, we know that's not gonna happen. And it, actually, if he did hit that three, it wouldn't mean anything for him. But that's what I would like to see. I'd be very happy for that. All right, you Jay, are you are a hero for joining us for this long. We appreciate you, everyone. Go listen. Every all the Celtics fans who are listening to this, go listen to Glue Guys. Get your get your Nets <laughs> fixed during this series too. Smelts. Is one and a half year old baby potable? Anything is potable. (laughs) I'm such a such a noob. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Have a good one. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10 
$10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.